Welcome back to another episode of the Tech Sales Insight Podcast. Our guest today is Ken Doherty, Vice President of Sales and Enterprise Preferred at Dell EMC. Randy, what can you tell us about Ken? Oh, love Ken and so many great, great things to say. Uh, we first met back in 2004 when he was a district manager for me at Storage Tech. Uh, what impressed me then and still impresses me now is his uh, tremendous relationships with, with customers and partners and his team. Uh, he's really out there in the streets leading by example. And even now, as a uh, high-level sales executive, he still prides himself on going on uh, 10 or more sales calls a week or I, I guess Zooms now. And uh, at HP, when we work well together, he did an amazing job cracking in a lot of large new accounts, uh, went to Caminario to do a startup where he was able to really roll and create lots of new processes. And I'm so proud to see him doing so well as a senior exec at Dell EMC. Well, ironically, I just realized I finished my 100th quarter in this business, so I spent about 10 years uh, carrying a bag for companies like Storage Tech and very early on for a systems integrator. Got into sales leadership relatively young, about 32, became a sales manager for Storage Tech, where we met, or I met my good friend, Randy Seidel, someone that's probably had uh, the most impact on my career as I look back over the, the last 25 years. And, you know, spent time there. You know, oftentimes, uh, another good friend of mine, Chris Riley, often references that uh, people work for people more than they work for companies. And I followed Randy and Chris and the team to HP. And then, of course, now at Dell Technologies. But over 25 years in the industry, what I would say in this case is it wasn't a linear path or a direct path into sales. I started out as a bartender. I had some really good friends that were selling copiers. Probably the best training of my career that I, at the very beginning, set the foundation of uh, getting used to rejection and understanding um, that's part of the business. The thing that I really enjoy about Dell right now is that we're a, a lighthouse in a, in a pretty crazy storm. You know, 2020, I don't think I need to tell anybody, is a, is a, is a pretty uh, crazy time. But, you know, we're a flight to safety, a flight to quality. A lot of customers are looking to come back to us in a way to say, how do they reduce operational complexity? How do they uh, look at a company that's going to have long-term stability and viability? And it's something that, you know, we're pretty proud of in, in having that uh, long-term vision. Um, I like the fact that my division within Dell Technology is, is in many ways a startup within a large company. And uh, I had the sponsorship of, of Michael Dell to build out this organization, Enterprise Preferred. Bill Scandal played a huge role in, in really spearheading this. And of course, Chris Riley, who's in many ways the, the father of this Enterprise Preferred business, it gives us all the resources of a big company, but allows us to continue to be entrepreneurial and uh, react like a, like a small company. Um, sometimes I reference one of my favorite quotes from Jack Welch, which is, you know, leverage the resource of a large company, uh, but react like a small one. Enterprise Preferred has that, that flavor to it, which is kind of nice. Watching leaders that will lead by example. Um, I've referenced and I've, been, I've had the good fortune of the vast majority of the great leaders I've worked with and for have been action-oriented. Um, I know that... Um, you know, in the case of specifically Randy Seidel, I've referenced and introduced him as one of the, if not the most action-oriented executives that I've ever been a part of. Um, to also look at things with, you know, a positive outlook and remind yourself that we're lucky to be in this business and, and lucky to be a part of this technology world. Um, that training came from 
uh, a mentor that I had early on by the name of Walter Brown, who wrote a book um, called Chasing Quota. And he was somebody that Randy introduced me to. And he, he talked a lot about just being aware of what the situation you're in, having awareness of the types of things that, um, that put us in a position of success and reminding ourselves of that on a regular basis. So going into it with a, an action-oriented approach, going into it with a positive approach, I don't think you can teach that. And I think those are the things that bleed through to a customer. They can feel positive energy and they can feel negative energy. And I've been very fortunate that the mentors in my career have, have really espoused that, that positive approach. We're definitely in a, in a scenario where um, the world is still evolving from a uh, technology evolution perspective and new technologies will come out every day. But I think the innovation engine is going to be impacted for a period of time. And the companies that really have the great technology are going to be the ones that are going to thrive over time. A lot of times I'll talk to customers and I'll say, you know, Mr. or Ms. Customer, you, you, you're making your decision based upon three variables. There's a business piece, there's a technology piece, and there's a financial piece. And depending upon the timing or the climate that we're living in, one of those levers may be more impactful than another. And it may be stability, viability, roadmap, and long-term direction of a company. So maybe that's really important to the client or the customer. Or maybe it's the widget. And what does it do differently to help that customer drive revenue more quickly or put themselves in a position to have a competitive advantage? And that widget is gonna play a factor. And then sometimes the financial structure. The one thing that really I find to be unique in the company that I represent today and, and work for Dell is that we're in a position where we can pull all three of those levers differently based upon the customer need. And knowing that there's strength in our business approach and long-term direction, our financial packaging, and of course our technology roadmap and solutions, those are the things that I think will allow certain companies to thrive post-COVID and companies that maybe only has one of those levers to pull that, that may may not be quite as uh, successful in the long run. Don't forget what made you successful as a salesperson when you become a sales leader. Don't change your approach in how you engage with clients. Stay customer focused, but also lead from example and go back to that term I referenced earlier when I referenced Mandy or Chris or many other leaders that I've been blessed to be be supported by my, my you know, godfathers in this, in this business. Be action oriented. Don't ask your team to do anything you wouldn't do yourself. And that more than anything will get people to do things with and for you. I've said many times in leadership, sales leadership, that the greatest sales leaders get people to do things for them because those people want to do it, not because those people were told to do it. And I can speak from personal experience. There were so many times late in the day, late in a sales campaign, when things were really tense, that I just didn't want to let down people like Chris Riley or, or Randy Seidel or even my new leadership today, folks like John Byrne and the team, I've been really blessed. And, and of course, Bill Scannell, very lucky to have incredible folks that, that have led these sales organizations that have put me in a position to say, I just don't want to let them down. And I think sales leaders should have that same approach. You don't want to let your team down any more than those people shouldn't want to let you down. You know, I'm trying to stay networked, stay connected, you know, use social media and use access to tools like, you know, sales community tools like LinkedIn, uh, things that are going to allow you to stay in touch with people. I think the greatest way that I tended to learn was through communication that, that at times could be verbal, 
or it could be watching others. And we're missing some of those things. And I'm putting myself in a position currently as I continue to learn about the technology landscape to ensure that I'm staying engaged with people that I've worked with around my career for many, many years, and making sure that the people that I've talked to in the past, I don't lose touch with those individuals because there might be something they're seeing in front of a customer, even though physically they're not there. We're seeing a lot of customers right now. I, I meet with a lot of customers on a weekly basis. Of course, it's virtual now. But I'm learning every time I'm on a call with a customer. I'm learning every time I'm on a call with, with a partner. And those are my experiences. But I need to make sure that I'm still learning from my peer group, from other leaders, from, in some cases, competitors, if, if they're friends of mine, and understanding what the, what's going on in the market. And if you, in this world that's insulated right now, if you don't stick your head out of the sand and reach out to your, your friends that you've worked with all these years or peer group to understand what's going on, you start to lose that knowledge bank that was so natural when you were in an office setting or out on the road that it's it's critical that you maintain that, that connective tissue with people in your ecosystem. First, I'll, I'll refer to Chris Riley in this case. Chris once said uh, to me that, you know, he made... He's made decisions in his career and his life that were based upon one of those variables in the three-legged stool. And in the personal side, there's a personal piece, a professional piece, and a financial piece. When you make a decision on a job you're going to take, those are usually the three things you evaluate. And he said, I've made a decision in certain cases where it was it was more uh, focused on the financial piece. And he said, if you're doing it for that reason, you're likely doing it for the wrong reason. That's an important variable. You have to provide for a family. You have a lot of responsibility. The financial package is always going to be a critical component of any decision you make, but it shouldn't be the primary variable. And, you know, if you're successful in this industry, the money should come. If you put yourself in the right, within the right sector, within the right company, within the right vertical, the money and, and the opportunity will come with it. But making a decision based solely on, hey, this job is going to pay me a lot of money, isn't necessarily going to make you happy long term. You need to have those other variables and those things around the personal development and the professional development and the people you're working with and for around that are surrounding you within your world. You know, Randy, I would say in the case of he was always so good at just checking his ego at the door and, and never making you feel like you work for him. It was always about you work with him. I have a funny story. We met with a, a CIO of a high tech firm up in uh, Portland, Maine, we went out to dinner and uh, we were out with the sales rep at the time, and we said, you know what, Let, let's uh, let's stay over. It's too late to drive back. We'll we'll, we'll go ahead and, and stay over tonight. And there are not a lot of hotel options at, you know, 11 o'clock at night in Portland, Maine. But we decided, okay, let's go find one. And we're walking, and we see a hotel, and we go into the lobby, and it turns out there's only two rooms available. So think about this, right? There's a sales rep. There's me and Randy. I'm a, a area director at the time, and Randy's a senior vice president. And instead of, you know, saying, no, no, I've got the single room because there happened to be one double left and one single room left. He said, you know, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, I'll share a room. And so I ended up sharing the room. So the two senior executives share the room. In this case, the sales rep, uh, Blake Galvin, for many folks that probably know him that may hear his podcast, he ended up getting the single room. So it's a, it's an urban legend story that we tell to this day when we're together, Blake, myself and Randy, that he checked his ego at the door. And he was, as I said, from the beginning, he was willing to give and do for others. And, and that's just a perfect example of he said, hey, you know what? I don't care if I'm the senior vice president. I, I can bunk up with somebody and, you know, Blake, enjoy the, in the single room in that case. 
most salespeople are by nature a bit impatient. They want results yesterday. They want the PO yesterday, and we want to close the deal yesterday. However, I would tell young Ken Doherty to be patient. And there are things that you have to wait for. And over time, if you're patient, you'll have a, a better outcome than if you were a little too quick. And I have many times used to quote by John Wooden, who's one of my favorite, you know, leaders in the in the world over. And, and I've, I've often said uh, to my teams, you know, be quick, don't hurry. And, and I would say back to that point, um, I may have made career decisions at times that were impatient or quick. And I might have thought, you know, I'm looking to chase something where if I had practiced a little more patience, even though it's totally counter to who I am in some ways and who most salespeople are in many cases, that is a, a probably one of the biggest piece of advice I could give. I'm not sure I would have listened to myself, but, but I would tell myself to be patient. I think tech sales is going to look a lot like the COVID world we're in with a healthy balance of in-person and virtual engagement. You know, these Zoom calls and the things that happen, the productivity has increased in many cases and the access to industry experts is exponential. Tomorrow is a great example. I'll be hosting the CIO of of the Gartner Group in an executive briefing, and I'll have Michael Dell uh, at the beginning of the call. I'll I'll open the call and and certainly, uh, you know, be... Uh, moderating the, the discussion, but Michael will, will open and provide some insights into the future and the roadmap of Dell Technology. And then we'll go through another a, a number of other subject matter experts, and then Pat Gelsinger will join us and, and be part of the discussion for some of the trends in the industry for VMware and how you know the market is trending in those areas. So what I would say is it's actually opened up my eyes to the fact that in-person will always be critical. To get to a know me, like me, trust me, it's much harder to do that when you're not in person. In person, you, you can read body language, you can connect with humans, you can actually have that, that natural interaction. But if you balance that and you have some of that human interaction and you augment it with this virtual world, I actually am bullish on our economy, bullish on our, our sector, in my belief that our productivity is going to increase exponentially because of the way people have become accustomed to engaging not just in person, but also in this virtual world. So that healthy balance is, I think, a really good sign for our industry in the long term.